Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. In Isaiah chapter 9, we see very clearly the birth of Jesus foretold. And you made the point yesterday, Colin, that of course, God planned this right from the beginning of times, exactly how he was going to redeem the world. We're looking at verse 6 in particular, the names of Jesus. We looked yesterday at wonderful counsellor, mighty God. Today, he's also described as the everlasting father and the prince of peace. Now, this might sound confusing. How can the son of God be called the everlasting father? Surely there is a distinction between the Father and the Son. And of course, that is absolutely right. In the first part of this verse, it reads, To us a Son is given. But when we listen to what Jesus was teaching people, he said, If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. The Father and I are one. And he promises that to those who believe in him uh, and who obey his word, the Father and the Son will come to make their home in him, in the faithful believer. So um, there is a distinction between the Father and the Son. The Father if we can put it this way, the Father remained in heaven while Jesus was the Son on earth. And it was vitally necessary for Jesus to remain in fellowship, in unity with his Father in heaven, absolutely essential. He made it clear, I can't do anything on my own. Uh, He even said, The words I speak are the words my Father gives me to speak. Uh, The things you see me doing, they're not my works. They're the works of him who sent me, of the Father. So we see this um, distinction between the Father in heaven and the Son on earth. So how is it that one of the names of Jesus can be everlasting father. Well, Jesus said, the father and I are one. So now that he has returned to heaven, there is this complete identity and unity with the father. Uh, The father, the son, and the Holy Spirit are the three ways in which the one God manifests himself. So here is this strange paradox that the Son is also the everlasting Father. He is the one who came to reveal the Father. He is the one who brings us back to the Father. He is now reigning in heaven, totally at one with the Father. And therefore, you see, By identifying completely with us in our humanity, as I've been saying all week, he has made it possible for us to participate in his divine nature, in God's nature, in the Father's nature. 
So just as Jesus is now living at one with the Father, so we are able to live at one with the Father because we live at one with the Son. What we must understand is there is this distinction between the three persons of the Trinity, but there's not a scrap of disunity or division between them. So if you know the Father, you will know the Son and the Holy Spirit. If you know the Son, you will know the Father and the Holy Spirit. If you know the Holy Spirit, you will know the Son and the Father. And yet you will, you will also know and will understand the distinctiveness of these three persons in the one God. What about Prince of Peace? In the, later in this prophecy of Isaiah, chapter 53, we have the prophecy about the crucifixion. And I suppose one of the best-known phrases from that prophecy is, by his stripes we are healed. It's something that especially Pentecostal charismatic believers are constantly quoting because they recognize that what Jesus did on the cross was to take not only our sins but all of our sicknesses and infirmities. And therefore, by that sacrifice, not only is forgiveness possible, but also the healing of all our diseases. But there's a, another phrase in that verse in, in um, uh, Isaiah 53, because the scripture says that he bore our infirmities and carried our sicknesses. Then it says, the punishment that brought us peace was laid upon him and by his stripes we are healed. We shouldn't really quote that phrase, and by his stripes we are healed, without what goes before, because the scripture does say, and by his stripes we are healed. So uh, clearly, by his stripes we are healed is related to what goes before. That's what the word and means, doesn't it? So the punishment that brought us peace was laid upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Now, what does that mean? Well, instead of punishing us in the way that we deserve, because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, because none of us deserve anything from God, he owes us absolutely nothing because we've sinned and grieved him. But Jesus has borne the punishment. He has, if you like, suffered the punishment on the cross that we deserve. That's why Jesus needed not just to die, but he had to die the death of a sinner, of a criminal. Even though he hadn't committed no sin, he um, had to be judged because it wasn't really him being judged. It was we were being judged. He was being judged on our behalf. He never sinned, so he's bearing our sins. He didn't deserve to be punished, so he's bearing our punishment. Now, once the price for our sins has been paid, once the punishment has been served, then it makes it possible for us to be restored to a place of peace with God. What does that mean? It means we can now live at one with him. So here in these prophetic words about the child that is to be born, right from the beginning, one of the chief titles that he has given is Prince of Peace 
because he is the one who, through his own sacrifice on the cross, is going to bear our punishment and make it possible for sinners once again to be brought to a place of peace with God. And of course, if you have peace with God, then you can have peace with others, you can have peace within yourself, and that is the most blessed thing, because so many people need that peace. It's a deep mystery though, isn't it? Yes. One of the things I love is that when Jesus first appeared to the disciples in his risen body, he just came and stood among them, didn't he? And he said, peace be with you. Now, that is not just a greeting. It's not sort of, shalom, hi guys, how you doing? You know, it's not that at all. It's an impartation. Now that the price has been paid on the cross, you can have peace. This is what he's saying. Those men were frightened. They were hiding away for fear that they would be the next ones to be arrested and probably executed. And Jesus comes and stands amongst them and imparts peace. Peace be with you. And his promise, you see, is that, um, that he would give peace such as the world cannot give. My peace I give to you. It's the peace that Paul described as the peace that is beyond all understanding. It's the peace that keeps our hearts and minds in the knowledge and the love of God and of his son, Jesus Christ. So it's a supernatural peace. It's not simply the absence of conflict. It's peace with God is unity with God. It's union with God. It's being at one with God. And uh, I suppose in the words of that old hymn, it's best expressed by saying, it is well, it is well with my soul. You just know that you're in com a complete peace with God, in harmony with him, that there's no outstanding issues between you and God because you are completely forgiven, completely accepted, totally and perfectly loved with his eternal love. And so that knowledge of him, that knowing him experientially, gives you this tremendous sense of peace. And that hymn was written against a backdrop of real suffering, wasn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. And you see, even today, in the midst of complete turmoil, chaos and confusion, Christians can have this supernatural peace. And I, I mean, I've, I've heard so many testimonies, and I, I would say in my own life, in, in, when I've been in circumstances that in the natural would cause you to be really scared or totally confused and concerned, uh, there's just been this wonderful, marvelous, supernatural peace. Because you see, Christ lives in us, doesn't he, as Christians. So you have the Prince of Peace living within you. You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 